Welcome to Record Store Society, a production of iHeartRadio. Rescheduled, so I had to make a spreadsheet to keep track of all that were getting rescheduled, mm. and then all the new ones that I wanted to go to, so that I wouldn't, you know, double book or buy tickets for something that I was going to that's rescheduled from previous before, you know, COVID. So yeah, there's so many shows. There are. I, I'm 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 starting to get excited again because like um, it used to Me be too. that thing where you would. Um, Oh, hey, hi. Uh, welcome to our record store. Uh, I'm Seth. This is Tara. Uh, feel free to look around and uh, just give us a shout if you need anything. Uh, I'm getting to the point where like, um, you know, on social media or in emails, you'll see like those like uh, posters where it has like the listing of like all the different, you know, cities they're hitting and, and venues they're playing. And I'm like, oh boy, you know, like it, it gives you like a little thrill when you check out that poster and you see your town on it and you're like, oh, what, what will I be doing in September? You know, like, I hope I can go see this. And yeah. um, no, I'm, it's it's exciting. I I know we're not a hundred percent back yet, but um, yeah, it, it it feels good that even like the 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 teasing hint of live shows are coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so excited. I'm ready for it. Even if I have to wear a mask indoors, yeah, I am so ready. I will do anything to see live music again. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. And um, yeah, and, and you know, it, people will figure it out. It's been a long, difficult while. And yeah, yeah, f- folks will figure out the safest way to handle this. And um, if we make mistakes, we'll take a step back and we'll figure it out again, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, oh, I, I was going to ask you, what do you have tickets for? Literally nothing right now. Nothing. Oh, okay. Not, not a single thing. I've, there's a lot of shows that I have seen tickets that I want to buy, mm-hmm. but I have not, I, I don't have anything right now. I, I think I, I have some shows that have like um, rescheduled things in the mm-hmm. future, but I, I, I don't count on any of those and I have no way of like keeping track. So I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> those, will, yeah. those will sort themselves out. <laughs> I feel yeah. Uh, I, I have a, a, an idea for something today that I think would be a lot of fun if, if, if you'll let me surprise you with something today, okay? Okay, yeah, I'm down. Always down for surprises. Yeah. Well, if they're good. Only good surprises. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we like to play games around here. And, um, we, we, you know, often when we play these games, they're with uh, our customers who have uh, come in many times and we know them very well. And it's very easy for us to strike up a conversation about whatever, favorite B-sides or favorite venues or whatever. By the way, we we haven't done either of those yet. Those are two good ones. Anyway, <laughs> um, but um, uh, I, I thought about like every once in a while we have someone where obviously it's their first time coming into this record store and I mm-hmm. want to get to know them better. And I want, and yeah. I think um, because it's their first time asking a bunch of questions about their musical firsts is a thing. So I've, I've written this thing, which for now I'm calling the first timer quiz. I may change it, but it's like new customer. I want to get to know you. Here's a shortcut. Here's 10 quick questions. But before I try this out on a stranger who walks into our record store, if you'll indulge me, can I try out this quiz on you? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. I'm totally down. Okay. So this is the first. Hopefully I can remember all of the firsts that you ask because, you know, I'm getting up there in age and my... I don't remember things that have happened in my previous years sometimes. <laughs> well, uh, my, my, my general rule for this is that, you know, uh, I, I hope our guest answers to the best of their ability. But if you can't remember a specific answer, feel free to make just kind of like an educated guess based on what you do remember about that time in your life, you know? Okay. So you'll see what okay. I mean, but I believe all of these questions will have very simple, very distinct answers and uh we'll, we'll we'll just see if it works out if not maybe we I, i'll never try this on a guest maybe this is just this one day <laughs> we'll see we'll see we'll see yeah um so question number one of ten tara first timer quiz what is the first record you remember owning and i'm talking about like this didn't have to be particularly in your possession it might have been like from your parents catalog but it's the first mm-hmm. record where you're like this is mine. Like I'm, okay. this is my record. I, album? I have memories. Album yes. or physical or like record. Vinyl, I, I, like a vinyl. Exactly. Okay. I, I'm going to ask for each of the mediums of oh, music. Okay. So, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. This is for um, literal record. Yeah. Gosh. Um, Puff the Magic Dragon. 
Was this like a seven inch? No, a full like 12 inch record, 33 and a third. A had Peter, Paul and songs. Mary? Is that who it was? But not, it was like a children's version. Okay. I still have it actually. Wow. Uh, in my, yeah, in my record collection. And it's crazy because when I was in college, my my uh, college house burnt down mm-hmm. um, and wow. I lost a bunch of music and I lost a bunch of stuff. But for whatever reason, some of my stuff still still survives. Um, and I have this Puff the Magic Dragon record. Um, I had I had a record player when I was very young, like three or four mm-hmm. years old. Um, my mom told me that when I was when I wanted to play the records, I was afraid to put the needle on the record because I knew if I did something wrong, I could scratch the record. So I was right. very cautious. So she had to put her hand on my hand and and put the needle on the record to teach me how. Hmm. Many times because I was so afraid of messing it, messing things up. And I had a pretty huge collection of storybook records mm, yeah. too. Yeah. But for I feel like one of the first records on vinyl that I had like a... F- like an actual thing was Puff the Magic Dragon record. Nice. And I want to say it was from the 70s. Right, right. That's that's pretty cool. I'm, all, I'm also picturing you with your college house on fire and you're looking around <laughs> at all your stuff and you're going, I wasn't there. Quick, what can I save? <laughs> and you grabbed your one Puff the Magic Dragon no. record and ran out of the building. <laughs> no, just the one, yeah. No, actually, I think that's why it survived because the vinyl, I didn't have it actually in that house when I was in college. But luckily I wasn't there. No one was in the house when it caught fire. Mm. Um, it was on Christmas day. Oh, so wow. all of the college people were on break and uh, with their families. Um, and somewhat they said that it was a couch pressed against a wall heater, but I think it was for insurance purposes. So. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. That's shady. That is. Well, well moving on from that, that <laughs> medium to another one. Uh, okay. Question number two. What is the first cassette you remember this owning? This one's so easy. It's Whitney. I've talked about this We've before. We've talked about this in the store before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whitney by Whitney Houston, the one where she's wearing a white tank top. Right. That was my first cassette I ever owned. That makes perfect sense. And I mean, aside from Bebop Barbie cassette, ah, I don't think that counts. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I bet that's going to come up a lot in these quizzes is uh, asking people what their first record cassette. And here, here's a, here's a, a, a foreshadowing. I'm going to ask CD next. Um, oh. But I bet, I bet uh, children's albums are definitely going to make an appearance at least. I guess it'll depend on like the age of the person yeah. we're asking this, qu- yeah. this quiz to that, where that will be. Because some people, I bet we're going to ask them and they will not have a first cassette. I, I'm, that's true. Because I, I, I personally believe in this cassette resurgence that's happened in the past, oh, let's call it 10 years. But yeah. I know there are a lot of people who, who don't, who think it's a little silly to buy cassettes in the 21st century. I so. still have a great uh, cassette collection and I still buy them on occasion, mm-hmm. especially if they're put out by Geographic North. Oh, yeah. They have but, beautiful cassettes. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I don't really listen that, to them that often. And I do think it is kind of silly in a way, but I also subscribe to it. I do it. I buy them. So I, I'm um, a big believer in buying cassettes when I'm at a concert, because if I'm at a show and I don't want to have to carefully carry around my vinyl record that I buy at the merch stand with kid gloves yep. all night, I can buy a cassette, <laughs> stick it in my pocket and I'm good to go. I love that. I think that's um, a really good situation. And also, I believe that like certain bands just sound better on cassette. I I don't know if um, there's anything to that other than just nostalgia and perhaps um, just kind of like aesthetics. But um, yeah, what kind of bands do you think sound better on cassette? I feel like um, kind of like garage rock bands sound amazing Mm -hmm. on cassette. And um, they just kind of like fit that vibe, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know I mean, what's funny? Huh. This is not related necessarily to cassettes, but it's kind of a, 
like, I think it kind of relates to that, just like what bands sound better on cassette, that sort of raw sound. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually listening to the audiobook of uh, Chris Franzen, the drummer of uh, Talking Heads, his audiobook. I forget what it's called, but it's about, you know, him being in the Talking Heads and Tom Tom Club and all of that. And they were talking about how when they record, they recorded demos and sent them to Brian Eno. Well, recorded demos, then recorded Brian Eno, and he was doing his production work, whatever, mastering. And they got it back, and they talked about how terrible it sounded from Brian Eno's production. And so um, they listened back, like after they listened to the the Brian Eno mastering, they listened to their demo tape again of the same song and thought it sounded way more interesting and and just way better. Hmm. and so, yeah, I, I don't know, like maybe there's something to that just sort of like raw sound that actually maybe adds an element to to the music. That's something that I remember, um, what's his name? Um, Phil Elvram, who's now known as Mount Erie, back when he was known as the Microphones, he called himself the Microphones because he thought that like the sound of his microphone going into his little like, you know, four track cassette recorder or whatever he was using at the time was such a distinct sound that it was part of the band. And um, I think for the exact same reasons you're just saying, which is just like, you can either lean into it or lean away from it. And mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's it's interesting. But, um, yeah. but moving That's on cool. from that, we got question number three. Yeah. First CD. A first CD was Mariah Carey Unplugged. Oh wow! So it's like from like the, from like the MTV Unplugged series. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I've ever heard hers. That's interesting. I think it was maybe twelve or thirteen when it came out. Wow! Wow! That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Now, now this one might overlap with, with something you've already said, but okay. the, the next question is: What is the first album you bought yourself? Like you paid your own money um, for it, and it, this was like a big moment for you. <laughs> Dang, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, Around what age do you think you were? I remember buying the Supersonic single from Kmart. Wow. When I was like in third grade by JJ Fad. Supersonic. Supersonic. Maybe maybe that one. I, I don't mean, know. that that is a memory you have, so we can go with it. When, yeah. when it comes to singles, I own a couple, and they seem particularly useless. <laughs> I'm not really sure why that medium. I think it's because when you look at it, there's so much physical plastic, like the same amount as you would have for a full album, but the little ribbon of tape inside of it is so small. It's like yeah. wow, this is because like at least when it's like a record, a single is substantially smaller than a full-size mm-hmm. album. So it kind of makes yeah. sense. CDs, I guess there were like those like weird mini CDs that you could get on occasion. Oh, yeah, maxi those, single or something. But those yeah. those were very rare. I, I think I've only come across those weird little like, how big are they? What, like two-inch, three-inch CDs? I've come across those like once or twice in my oh, life. Oh, those tiny ones? Yeah. I never had any of those tiny ones before. I, I feel like they were bigger in other countries. I don't think America ever really caught on to them. And huh, I don't think they ever got that big yeah. anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, um, but yeah, yeah, for, for singles, it's always seemed weird to me that much plastic for the, the same, like, you know, two minutes. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Yeah, but it's not the full album, mm-hmm. which it was more expensive. You could get a like a single for like two ninety nine or something. That's true. Yeah, and then the full album was way more expensive. So if you definitely wanted the song that's playing on the radio a ton, mm-hmm. but you couldn't afford the full album, or maybe even didn't want to invest in a full album by a particular artist, right? Uh, for example, um, the like Crash Test Dummies, like. Maybe you just want the mm song, yeah, <laughs> but not the whole album because you're just like, this is why would I want the whole album of that? It's always a hard one to explain to someone. <laughs> yeah. Someone's like, oh, what song do you like? Oh, you know, mm, 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 mm. yeah, <laughs> that song. <laughs> so yeah, I remember getting the JJ Fadka single for Supersonic, but the first CD that I bought by myself 
I think, I guess it was maybe the Mariah Carey Unplugged one. When they had those giant cardboard Oh, the long boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember those. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Do you know the reason why they invented the long box? Why? See, I actually thought it was one thing when I was younger, but it turns out it's something else. When I was younger, I thought, because if folks don't know what we're talking about, in the olden days, uh, (laughs) CDs used to be packaged with, there would either be a cardboard sleeve around it or sometimes like a hard plastic, almost like shell of a sleeve that extended it um, vertically to be about twice as tall, maybe three times as tall. And mm-hmm. uh, th- those were called long boxes. And that's how they would um, put put them in stores. When I was younger, I thought it was because um, it was a way to stop shoplifting, where it's like, oh, this is harder to slip into your pocket than just a yeah. CD, you know? But yeah. it turns out what they were really invented for was that um, all of the record stores had all of their bins already sized for vinyl records. So they didn't want to force every record store in the world to have to buy all brand new bins for this brand new medium, the CD. Mm-hmm. So they put them in these long boxes so they're still really tall in these really deep 12-inch holding record bins, you know? Yeah. Very strange. <laughs> That's interesting. I I never really even considered that before. It's it's it, it, and it seems to be gone. Like I, I haven't seen a uh, a CD long box in quite a while, so I'm not really sure you, yeah. if it exists anymore. No, I don't think it does. But you could take your cardboard long boxes back to the store in some cases, and they would, I guess, recycle them hmm. or something. I, I remember that REM was trying to be like uh, special one day, and uh, this might have been for Monster. On the cardboard long box, they had a. Um, uh, uh, voter registration card. <laughs> so oh, that's so cool. Because they were trying to do something with this like useless piece of cardboard that they were attaching to their albums. They they tried to you know it was REM. Just, they they yeah. were being uh, they were rocking the vote. You know. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Now we're getting away from physical. Do you remember your very first digitally downloaded song, whether that be legal or illegal? Because especially back then, I think there were more illegal ways to download yeah. music than legal ways, at least in the beginning, you know, around Gosh, 99, so, 2000. So tough. I, oh, yeah. I, I feel like the first digital download, I don't know if I f- downloaded an MP3 first or a music video first, honestly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. remember downloading Sheryl Crow, If It Makes You Happy. Mm. But I also remember... No, okay, so no, it must have been an MP3 because I remember downloading like No Doubt songs. Mm-hmm. I feel like I downloaded a No Doubt song first. Nice, just like something- like an old one, like a Trapped in the Box first No Doubt CD. Right. Thing, <laughs> not Tragic Kingdom before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Song. Like like their early ska days when they weren't quite pop yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I couldn't find that CD in my hometown, so I was downloading it from Napster. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think that's that that's that's awesome. Cause yeah, that, that was the biggest thing that um I believe Napster and LimeWire and Kazaa and all those other services, what they provided for music fans back in the day, uh, was oh, I've never seen this album anywhere. Cause it was pretty much pre the popularity of things like Amazon. Like like Napster mm-hmm. was popular before buying albums online was popular. So it was it's like, oh, wow, look at all these bootlegs. Look at these B-sides. And, yeah, uh, bootleg shows, live sh- live versions of songs that you already loved. Uh, yeah. Albums that were out of print, albums that you've never been able to find in person because they were too unpopular for your local record store to carry, all yeah. that stuff. And um, no, 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 I, I think that's, that's, yeah, especially in the early days, I think that's what they were used for the best. And then eventually they became just like pirate zones for people just to stop buying music. And then it got sadder (laughs) and ruined the world, but well. (laughs) well. And then there were those like Napster gift cards you could buy later on. They were trying to, I guess, make it right. (laughs) I don't know if that ever really took off. Me either. All right. All right. Well, let's uh, move on to the next one, which is your very first concert. I think I know the answer to this. May I guess what I think it is? Oh, yeah. Go for it. Was it New Kids on the Block? Yes, it was. Nice. I think. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite girl. Oh, 
I mean, I can't remember if my parents took me to any concerts with them. Right, right. But I remember they took me to a show I wanted to go to, which was New Kids on the Block. And that I consider that as my first concert. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. First unchaperoned concert, though, was uh, That Dog, Teenage Fan Club, and Weezer. Nice. Yeah, no, that, that, that's an important one, too. Um the uh, yeah, because I'm sure, like you know, as like kids, our parents would take us to some sort of like you know, Nutcracker performance or something that would have technically yeah. been a first per- first concert. But I don't remember any of that stuff. So eh. yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, now uh, this one it's a, a bit of a loosey goosey question, but I have okay. something in mind. But we'll, we'll see how it kind of shakes up. Maybe I'll reword this eventually. The next okay. question is. What is your first music obsession? And by that, I mean the first time that you were like, this is my favorite band or this is my favorite musician. You know what I mean? But see, I'm keeping it vague because I'm sure there are people out there who um, maybe their first musical obsession was seeing cats. Maybe their first musical obsession was. um, Yeah. Oh, gosh. I I don't even know what it could be. Uh, Maybe it was Bach because they were like a kid who like learned how to play the piano first. You know what I mean? Like who who knows what it could be? I'm pretty sure I know the answer already. And it's Whitney Houston. I was yeah. in a kid in the back seat of my mom's car, maybe still in a high or what not a high chair, a car seat, mm-hmm. and singing "Greatest Love of All" at the top of my lungs. Like, <laughs> knew every word uh, already to that song, and like I said, Whitney, that album was my first cassette. So I think Whitney Houston was my first like musical obsession. I also really loved Michael Jackson too. Mm. It's funny because I can see that through you know what i mean like 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 in like your yeah. musical taste now and like everything you've liked like like that that makes sense and that's pretty cool like like and it, yeah. it's, it's cool too like that something you enjoyed so much as a child has stuck with you and is still like a part of your life now like like you will still play whitney when you dj and that's that's I neat. Still do, yeah. <laughs> that, that like something yeah. something from your childhood had so much value and so much importance that it's still a part of your life. You know, that's, that's great. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Now this one is similar, but slightly different. Your first musician crush, who would that have been on? Gosh, my first musician crush. And, you know, just go with what you do remember because, you know, maybe when, you know, we're all very, very young, you don't even remember that stuff because it's before you even realize, you know, who you're interested you even, in. Even yeah, like what liking people like. Mm-hmm. Um do you know I think I I think I had a crush on Joey Lawrence. Oh, he was a musician, wasn't he? I kind of forgot he about that. He did that one song. I forget the song even now. But I remember his like dance moves and his floppy yeah. hair and his like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I'm sure he was wearing a white t-shirt with like a vest over it unbuttoned. Yeah. Like just saying, whoa, and all that stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think as a preteen, when, when you start to get feelings for people mm-hmm. like like that. Right, right. Um, I'm trying to think. I I so this came out in 1993. His 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 one, or I think he maybe has two albums, but wow, nothing my love can't fix oh, was a hit. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, on the pop charts, and I was about <laughs> 13 when it came out. So I think I think it was probably him. Whoa, indeed. <laughs> oh no, no, I have to go back. I have to re- retract. Okay, Joey McIntyre. Oh, from, from New, Kids, from on the New block. Kids on the Block. Oh my gosh, how could I forget? But both Joeys. I was, it was, but both Joeys. It was yeah, a time for right. the Joey. Back when it Joeys roamed was. the earth. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There. Yep. Nice, nice. Good one. Wow. All right, all right. I'm yeah. going to bring it up to. Um, closer modern times for our last two questions. Okay. Okay. What is the first time 
that you spent way too much money on a concert. And that can be by whatever criteria you call way too much money. Because especially when I was younger, way too much money was a pretty low barrier, you know? I don't think it was really that long ago. And it was The Cure. And I was like, I'm really going to go for it. I have to see them. And I have to be as close as I can. And and even being as close as I can was like still kind of far back and was like $200. Right, right, right. um, Yeah, I'm going to say The Cure. Nice. And then that makes sense. That's that's like probably your favorite band, if not one of your top favorite bands. Yeah. So that makes They're perfect sense. They're my favorite sense. band, for sure. Yeah. And now this one, because we work at a record store, uh, uh, also kind of ties into the same thing. What's the first time you spent way too much money on a physical album? Um, Everything but the girl, Temperamentals, like 150 to $200 Whoa. copy I bought. Yeah. I wanted it on vinyl. I had the CD. I loved them so much in college. I loved that album. So I splurged and I, I found a copy on Discogs and I was just like, I have to have it. I'm just going for it. I'm, nice. not, I'm not waiting any longer for this. So yeah. that one for sure. That's that's fucking killer. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also love too that um, it's, it's it was an older album because there are plenty of like albums being released right now that I would still consider way too much money for something brand new from the manufacturer. This is the list price. But yeah, yeah. yours is true record store style of, oh, <laughs> I need this and I'm going to pay way I too much it. for it. Yeah. Yep. I, I definitely remember times in my life when I was younger, um, in particular, like college age um, and, and, and you know, soon after, you know, the, the, the poor years, you know, when you, when you have yeah. very little money coming across an album that you've been looking for forever and no matter what the price at least for me like even a very inexpensive record during my poor years uh, was a, a big decision <laughs> and yeah. you'd just be like fuck i haven't seen this record in person ever if i don't buy it now i may never see it again and then you just have yeah. to you just have to bite the bullet and you just do it you know or you've just been you've been lusting over a record, and this is what happened. Mm-hmm. Just, I've been lusting over this record for so long. As soon as I saw it drop below two hundred, and I think it was like one fifty, I was like, "I'm going for it. Yeah. I'm just getting it. It's been too long. I can afford it right now. I'm just getting it." Yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. And, and, and I'm sure you haven't a regretted it. Treasure. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's killer. I, I I think I have learned a lot about you. And I think everyone in the record store has learned a lot about you. And it, it, coincidentally, um, this this isn't related. Maybe it is. Who knows? Who knows how our brains work? I've been watching. <laughs> um, have you ever seen the documentary series Seven Up? And then it's like the Up series. It's a British documentary no. series. No. What they do um, way back in like, I want to say the early 1960s, they found a group of seven-year-olds from all over England, all different groups, mm-hmm. some from like boarding schools, some from like, you know, just the regular places where the average person with the average income lives. And then some people from like, you know, some poorer income areas, genders, races all over the place. And just like, hey, these seven-year-olds, because there's a saying, uh, which I, I I don't know who said it, which was, um, show me the man at the age of seven and I'll show you who the man will be or something like that. I'm getting it yeah. wrong. I'm paraphrasing. But here's the cool part. So they they looked at these seven-year-olds and they filmed a little documentary film about them. And then every seven years, they check in with them again. So the oh, first yeah. one is seven up. The second one's 14 up. Oh, the third one's 21 up. I know what you're up. talking about. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's funny. I guess I'm kind of doing that with this, which is like looking at the very beginning and how that kind of defines what a person as a music fan really is. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And how yeah. do you change over time? Yeah. Right. I mean, all these firsts are very pop oriented. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I started to really hit puberty and grunge and alternative started happening, that's when things got weird for me. <laughs> that's when things totally changed me. And uh, yeah, I still have pop music, but um, yeah, I think that, I think that era is when I totally just shifted and did. And now I listen to so much more 
more than that. So, right. yeah. Yeah, because I think very few people begin with experimentation. I think everyone right. starts pop and then they, then they go where they go. They might stay in pop. They might, uh, yeah, who knows? But, um, but yeah, perhaps yeah. perhaps there's another version of this, which is like, um, this is all about firsts, but maybe there's another version of this quiz, which is all about like, I don't know, that formative age, whatever that may be, you know, 13 years old, when it's like, now what are you into? <laughs> Step yeah. two, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Cool. Well, cool. Well, that well, was fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to go and um, uh, 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 go get a cup of tea take a little break and now uh, we'll, we'll turn the tables you, you'll ask me these questions okay yeah okay. let's do it Okay, we are back. Uh, today we're trying out something new, something we hope to try on our customers in the future when perhaps it's their first time visiting the store, and that's the first timer quiz. We've learned a lot about Tara. Uh, now for fun, we're going to turn it around on me. Tara, I guess go for it. All right. Yeah, I'm excited to hear what you have to say about this. Um, Seth, what was your first record? The first one I remember, and um, kind of similar to you, where um, just like the childhood like actual putting the needle on the record felt like this weird like kinetic thing and it it, it is almost like a magic trick like it doesn't quite make sense you know <laughs> that that this little arm with a little needle when you put it on the circle makes noises just just being you know enticed by that alone period mm -hmm. but the album that i had as a very young kid it was i, I don't know the title off the top of my head but it was the John Denver Muppets Christmas album. Four calling birds, and a partridge in a pear tree. And maybe that is the name of the album. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> but um, but that's what it was. It was a Christmas album that was John Denver and the Muppets. And um I remember really liking it. I, I actually listened to it not too long ago. Um, just, just like I found a CD years, years later. And uh, it holds up. It's still pretty solid. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Classic. That's uh, a classic for sure. Yeah, I think so. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the first one I remember. <laughs> Good. Okay. What was your first cassette? Um, there are two I remember having simultaneously. I because I because I, I, I would put them next to each other. I had the soundtrack to Jurassic Park. And I had the Weird Al Yankovic album Alapalooza. Oh. Jurassic Park is frightening in the dark. All the dinosaurs are And the yeah. cover to Alapalooza was like the same, like, you know, uh, Jurassic Park logo, but with Weird Al instead, you know? Oh. So them side by side, I thought looked really cool. So I remember I had both of those cassettes, but I, I think I bought the Jurassic Park soundtrack first, which is weird, <laughs> which is very weird. Like me saying to my parents, like, ooh, I really want to hear the Jurassic Park theme, <laughs> you know? <laughs> It's funny. We learned that in middle school band, the, oh. the theme, the one main, the main theme, da, na, 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 yeah. that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I feel like that's a cool thing that you were like, I'm choosing a score as my yeah. first cassette. It's it's odd, and and yet, I mean, obviously that 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 um that uh, movie made a huge impression on that yeah. generation. Like, no matter what age you were, but I remember being, you know, a kid and being like, "Wow, you know, <laughs> look, this is look at this dinosaurs, you know." <laughs> I, I so want to relive cool. this. <laughs> so cool! No, yeah, that that movie was excellent for its time. For its time. Uh, when did that come out again? Do you remember? I want to say like what, 93? Something like, like 93. that? 93. That was my first thought too. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I wonder how on or off we are with that date. <laughs> Should we check our smartphone de devices in the store? Nah. <laughs> Unless you <No>? want to. 
<laughs> I'm so curious. I feel like we both said 1993 so proudly. Oh my God, it is 1993. Wow, wow. Good for us. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. I'm surprised. I'm very surprised that <laughs> we are too, that we're that on the ball. <laughs> wow. Okay, okay. What's your favorite or favorite first CD that you uh, ever owned? This one actually ties in a bit. Uh, the little story with it was, well, it could have been two things. Oh, I, I guess I'll, I'll go through both quickly. Um, the one I think it was, was that um, one Christmas, um, a friend of mine, uh, I guess I'll, I'll say he was a bit of a rich kid. He, as a Christmas present, he went around and he bought a CD for all of his friends for Christmas. This would have been in grade school somewhere. And... Um, uh, I saw what he was giving other people. Like I remember one of my friends got Dookie and I think another one of my friends got um, whatever the equivalent of Dookie was at the time. I don't know what else was around at that time, but I remember, I remember one of my friends got Dookie from him. Yeah. And then I got Weird Al Yankovic, Bad Hair Day. <laughs> Help me get away from myself. I wanna, you like an animal. And I was, I have to admit, I was slightly disappointed, not because I think Weird Al Yankovic is bad, but at that point I was, I was growing out of that. Like, like to yeah, me, Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, are you a huge fan of, of his or what? No, I, I liked him as a kid. Like I said, he was one of my first cassettes, but yeah. at, at that point, uh, whenever that was, I don't even know when Bad Hair Day came out. I was, I guess it would have been the same time around Dookie. So that would have been what, 1993? <laughs> Somewhere around there. Yeah. 94, 95? <laughs> Something like that. Um, but when that happened, I was like, oh, I'm not really that into Weird Al anymore. I wish you would have just given me Dookie also, <laughs> you know? Oh, I know. I mean, I think, I feel like if I had seen a friend get Green Day Dookie and I got Weird Al, I would definitely be let down a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and it's it's not Hope, that, it's yeah. not that Weird Al's bad. Weird Al Weird Al is super talented. No, but he's great. At that point in my life, I wanted a Green Day album instead of Weird Al. That's just where I was in life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was that Bad Hair Day you said? Bad Hair Day. Yeah. Do you know what year that was? 1996. Wow. Yeah. 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 So at that point, I was like, Nah, I don't. I'm not. <laughs> I, I don't want this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I also remember as uh, as a youngster having a box greatest hits, as in B A C H, Johann Sebastian Bach. I had that CD too. <laughs> And I'm wow. not sure if that was actually mine or maybe my parents that I just kind of like took from them, you know? Yeah. So I'm not sure yeah, if that yeah. one counts, but uh, but that, that that is another CD that I remember at a very young age. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's important to note here that Green Day Dookie did come out in 1994. So second mm. time I've been on point, which kind of shocks me <laughs> with the time because I'm always getting dates wrong. Right, right. Um, right. But wow, that's wow. And those two options... Uh, first CDs are so wildly different from each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and both I don't think I had any um, any input on. I, I think they they both just kind of happened right. to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you had a cassette of a score and a CD of classical music, so you were definitely building some really uh, grown up taste. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I think as a kid. I thought it was really cool to be smart. I'm, I don't think it's, it is really cool to be smart. Yeah, I, I don't think it's not cool <laughs> to be smart. But as a kid, I, I thought that was like something to like strive towards. You know what I mean? And um, I, I think the coolest thing is just being yourself in general. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but that was uh, that, that was that was a goal of mine was to be a smart person as a kid. Speaking of smart and owning a computer and having dial up. Mm-hmm. In the 90s, what was your first digital download? This is going to be a weird one. Um, I'm not a big fan of computers. Uh, I, I know that they're very useful and I use them far too often for all my stuff that I do work related, whether it be music or art or whatever or work or who knows. Yeah. I have to use a computer far too often, but I'm not a fan. I, I, I don't I don't like them. I, I don't spend much time on the internet, et cetera, et cetera. So I was actually very late to the digital download game. I want to say... 
Actually, I, I, I don't know the year, but I do remember my first digital download. Um, so Napster existed, right? Mm-hmm. And then Napster reached this point where they were trying to be like mainstream acceptable. So they were um, kind of like uh, courting musicians and artists and bands to like premiere their first single on Napster to like, you know, like, hey, we're in on this. It's cool. You know, like we're sharing our own music on Napster, you know? So I remember um, it was the first single from that Dave Matthews band album that I don't like very much. I want to say the, the name of the album is Every Day. Is, does that, does that day? ring a bell? It's, it's, uh, not, it's not a very good one. It's like the first, no offense, crummy Dave Matthews band album. And I think I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of memories associated with it. But they released their first single, which I believe was I Did It, was the first single from that album. Oh, every day. Oh. Do, do you see a gear? Are you looking at it? 2001. 2001. So yeah, 2001 was when this was. And the first single was the song called I Did It, which is not a very good single. Uh, no, no, no offense to Dave Matthews. Dave Matthews' band and solo has done very good things in their life. But this was like that weird era where they were supposed to do something with like that Steve Lillywhite album. And then the last minute they like canceled it. And then they put this like pop album out instead. And a lot of people just kind of felt weird about Dave yeah. Matthews' band for a minute. That's this era. So anyway, anyway. Yeah, I do remember that song, The Space Between, which was a really good song yeah. and another great hit of, of his For from sure. that same album, I believe. Yes, yeah. I believe you're right. And, um, but yeah, yeah. So it was a officially sanctioned Dave Matthews Band single promotion that they uploaded on Napster. And that was the first thing I ever downloaded. Wow, a yeah. Dave Matthews song that you don't even like. No, no, I, I, like. I think it was literally because when I went on to Napster, it was like on like the homepage of like, hey, new Dave Matthews band single, download now. It's legitimate, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. this isn't illegal. No, this one's cool. The band says so. <laughs> oh, that's okay. So yeah, you were following the rules. It was promo, mm-hmm. trying something out, getting something new. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean don't cool. get me wrong. I've, I've, I've illegally downloaded things in my life too. But in general, I try to only illegally download things when I can't get them other places. Like if something's out of print or, you know, it's a it's a bootleg or, you know. It costs a million dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> usually when it costs a million dollars, it's because it's out of print. It's very rare. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like one person is selling it on Discogs. Yeah. That, that, that's wherever. when I don't feel bad about making an illegal download is when... Um, when, hey, I, I'm willing to pay for this, I'm willing to support the artist, and I can't, well, then I guess this is my option, you know? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, well, how about not doing, buying, getting things illegally, but actually <laughs> paying for them? What's the first album you bought for yourself? It, w- it was you a- paid for it. Yes. It, it, was, it was a big to-do because my parents didn't want me to buy this album, so I had to like sneak it um so i remember when melancholy and the infinite sadness first came out i loved every bit of it all the videos all the singles like tonight tonight i mean how could you not fall in love with that like that's yeah that music video could woo anyone to, to, to be a Smashing Pumpkins fan. And then Bullet with Butterfly Wings. It's a Wayne and, White music video. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And it's just it's just so good, all of it. So um, I was trying to convince my parents to buy it for me. And it was difficult because like usually, like they wouldn't buy me things sight unseen. I had to like show them what it was that I wanted. <gasps> oh. So um, there would be times, like I remember one time in particular, I was at the mall with my parents and um, we were at like a food court and I was somewhere and like coming out of like one of the little speakers inside one of the stores was, um, I don't know what song it was, um, but what, one of the songs off of um, 
Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. I want to say it might have been Tonight Tonight. And anyway, so I like ran across the food court to grab my parents. I'm like, come here, come here, come here. This is the album I want. This is the album I want. And by the time we got there, it was over. And I'm like, never mind. Huh? And like, I, I think I tried to show them a music video. And I think, you know, obviously I can't predict what videos were going to come on. So I think I showed them Bullet with Butterfly Wings as like, oh, the, here, no. can I have this? And they yeah. were like, no. This is this is like this is like for bad kids. Like this is devil music. Yeah, exactly. Like the standard like no 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 no. This isn't for you. This is for this is for someone else. We don't want you listening to this. So yeah. what I had to do is, you know, with the very little pocket money I had, which, you know, who knows where kids get money, but not <laughs> you know, not jobs, yeah. you know, so tooth fairy yeah. or whatever, who knows. Um I went and was staying the night at a friend's house and we went to Blockbuster Video to rent some movies. And at this Blockbuster, they had a little CD rack in the front of just, you know, some some current releases, not many, like, you know, maybe maybe a couple dozen CDs. And there it was. And I had some pocket change on me or whatever I had, a few bucks. And I said to my friend's mom, I was like, hey, I'm going to give you all this money and my parents will just reimburse you for the rest, okay? And I'm sure she was super confused. And she's like, what? And But it worked. She went along with it. And, and, oh, and, wow. And so... Technically, I, I think I, I don't. As, as a child, I don't know how close I was to actually paying for this album. I, I mean, I gave all the money I had, yeah. which I'm sure was close. Like, I bet I had like, if I had to guess, I'm going to guess the album was probably like oh fifteen dollars. Fifteen dollars, yeah. Because it was like a two disc album, and I yeah. bet I had like twelve bucks on me. I think it was something like that, you know. Yeah. So anyway, got it. Super excited. We went back to my friend's house. I put it on. And then like my friend's parents were like, this is what you bought? Because it was like, you know, devil music again. It's so oh, loud no. and aggressive I mean, and all that this. That one part where it's like emptiness is godliness. It's, yeah. It's the emptiness Wait. is loneliness and loneliness is godliness, is godliness and godliness is cleanliness and God no, is I, empty. Oh, yeah. I think we're yeah, getting it way out like, of order. <laughs> something like that. But God is empty just like me. Like, yeah. yeah and that's, it's so loud. I mean, and it's... If you don't know the context, it's like some it's some metal devil music, you know? It's <laughs> depressing and it's angry, you know? But it's great, of course, yeah. obviously. Um, so anyway, so um, then because I did this roundabout way of, of acquiring this album, I had to hide it from my parents and I could only listen to it when they weren't around. And if I ever was risking listening to it at home... Um, I would always know that I could skip back to track one because track one on that album is like an instrumental piano medley. And it's like, all right, cool, 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 cool. So if my parents, if, if I hear my parents, skip to track one and they won't know that I'm listening to Smashing Pumpkins. That's a, when I hear stories like that, I just feel so thankful that my parents, A, weren't really paying attention. B, <laughs> probably didn't really care, which is why they weren't paying attention. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think for the most part, that's the right way to be, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean there's they limits. didn't want me, to, yeah, they didn't want me to watch Beavis and Butthead, but I did anyway. Yeah. They didn't want me to watch The Simpsons because, you know, he was like telling adults to eat his shorts and stuff like that. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, and I still did. And it's not, and I was doing it like, and they knew I was doing They They just were like, I wish you wouldn't watch that show, but I was still watching that show, you know, kind of, kind of thing. So definitely. I and I grew up just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's funny too, when you see like what that is for other people, because um, when I was uh, in art school in Portland, uh, there was this one couple who was uh, older who were both, you know, like punk rock parents. That's what they were. They were, they were, Hey, we live in Portland. Hey, we're little punk rock kids. Hey, we have a kid, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's, yeah. that was their life. And um, it's so funny because obviously they were very uh, permissive about whatever their kid wanted to do and listen to and all that stuff. And then mm -hmm. one day, I can't remember the name of the band. And if I could, I wouldn't want to give them any um, credit anyway. <laughs> but it was a, it was a, it was a punk band that had very like white supremacist leanings in their oh, kids' no. like CD collection. Yeah, and they were like, "Fuck, this isn't cool." No. What do we yeah. do? You know what I mean? Because like to them, that was like, no, this is, yeah. you, you can't do that. That's good. That yeah. They like I, that. And so that's the funny thing. Like, the, like they had to like, you know, they, they, like draw they were, the line. They yeah. were very like loosey goosey parents and lived that punk rock lifestyle. 
but they had to like, they had to like turn it on and they had to be like, fuck, we have to like, we have to like be real parents for a minute. And we have to really tell our kid, this isn't cool. And this is why, and you need to change, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fascinating to see that like, no matter what level of parentage your parents are in like the stereotypical, like, you know, guardianship roles, you still got to pull it out every once in a while. You got to draw the line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's good. Mm-hmm. That they were even aware of that, that that was happening. And that, that kid probably is growing up to be such a good, like smart, uh, aware person. I hope. Right. Yes. Hopefully this, this turned that kid around and he didn't actually become yeah. a white supremacist. That would be yeah. terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so first concert. Oh, this this one's easy. Uh, I, I can't believe this is coming up again, so I'll make it quick. My first concert was Weird Al Yankovic. That's the third oh my time gosh. he's come up in this. But Third time. They're in a Petri dish late one night. They took a donor's body, fell and fertilized a human egg. And so I say, I think I'm a clone now. Yeah, but, but yeah, it was uh, um, at, uh, I think... Um, uh, uh, like a county fairground or something like that. <laughs> and the main thing I remember about this concert was that um, for his encore, when he came back out, he was wearing his Michael Jackson fat suit. Remember his oh, song? I'm yep. fat, I'm fat, eat you know it. it. And um, yeah. so he was Just wearing- eat it. Oh no, that's oh, a different song. That's he, a different. He did He both. did two fat and food related <laughs> Michael Jackson songs. Food related Michael Jackson songs. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he came out in his fat suit for the encore and sang fat. But then what I thought was funny was that he kept going. So he sang like one or two more songs, but obviously he couldn't change out of the fat suit. So then he was, he was just really struggling to like keep going while wearing this yeah. huge fat suit. So uh, anyway, yeah, Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> Amish Paradise, but wearing a fat suit. Did that so, happen? Uh, I don't think, I think this was before though at that time. I don't, oh, think, okay. I don't think he had written that <laughs> song yet. Yeah. Uh, okay, wait, I feel like the next question maybe also have been answered by being weird al related <laughs> but it, what was your first music obsession <laughs> not not weird al like like that's, that's not the funny weird al, thing surprisingly I, yeah. I experienced a lot of weird al in my childhood and i definitely liked weird al a lot in my childhood but i think mostly it was because it seemed like a gateway to other music like my parents like i said were a little um controlling but if i bought a weird mm-hmm. al album i actually kind of got a sampler of all kinds of other songs and all kinds of the other, other genres stuff, yeah right? and it, it did introduce me to a lot of stuff because a lot of it i didn't know what the source material was and then mm-hmm. that informed me you know like yeah. i learned i love rocky road by weird al <laughs> before i learned i love rock and roll by joan jett you know that's that's so funny that's so so hilarious. if i had to pick my actual first music obsession i it, it was at the same time. It was either Smashing Pumpkins or Nirvana. One baby to another says I'm lucky to meet you. I don't care what you think. They were both at the same time in my life. So I'm not sure how, like, which one happened first. But yeah. it, it was both of them. Yeah. Both of them. Mm-hmm. Cool. But I also remember uh, that because both of those were my favorite bands and that like pretty much my whole CD collection at a certain point was just Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins, <laughs> I had to go to my brother and be like, I'm I'm just sad. Do you have any music that's like upbeat? Anything that's Aww. like cheerful? And my brother gave me um, his copy uh, or lent me his copy of Sublime Self-Titled. And that was his way <laughs> of like getting me out of my uh, grunge funk was with, um, was with some like, 90s ska. <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling a little down and dark. But I also don't want to go back to my Weird Al CDs. <laughs> right. What, what, what can you give that, me? And yeah, and, yeah. No, and I thought that was a good a, a, a good balm was Sublime <laughs> Self-Titled. That was the nice like yeah. in the same vein, but 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 you know counter sure. to Nirvana and yeah. uh, Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. What? Who was your first musician crush? I have two answers in my head. What I want to say is Jerry Hallowell from the Spice Girls. Oh, 
Like, like she's <laughs> yeah. incredible. But if I'm being Wait, honest. Wait, she's ginger, ginger spice, right? Exactly. Yes. Okay. Yes. She, she, especially then, I remember feeling a big thing for it. Like, just being like, <laughs> Wow. Like, I don't think women get more beautiful than this, you know? And, and you yeah. know, I've seen other women now, so it's, <laughs> I, I know there are other beautiful women in the world. But um, at that point, like, when, when she was, like, out doing the Spice Girls, you know, I guess the album was Spice World, right? Like, the, the, the big album that they put out and all the videos and everything. I think there was one before that. I don't think it was called Spice World. I can't remember. I remember Spice but... World was the movie, too. So I don't know. But anyway, but like yeah. like the wannabe and like to become Spice. one. Oh, Spice okay. happened 1996. Spice World happened 1997. So gotcha. just a year in between there. Yeah. So I want to say Jerry Hallowell, but I think if I'm being honest, I think it's Madonna. Like like just just seeing something like like the um like the uh, like a virgin video and just being like, wow, <laughs> like look at this woman, <laughs> like what's is this is this, this oh, okay Madonna cool you know so anyway so, so that's my I I I, I want to say Jerry Hallowell but it was probably Madonna that's what I'll say yeah yeah mm -hmm. that's a good choice she was very intriguing and uh, pushing a lot of buttons in the nineties, especially with like blonde ambition tour and yeah. all of that. So in the, uh, erotic stuff. Yeah. I, I'm sure at the very least I was confused by Madonna. <laughs> like, yeah. I was feeling things that I didn't know how to feel. Cause especially cause yeah, like, you know, things like, yeah, like, like think about the, like the blonde ambition tour and her like cone bra and cone stuff. Bra. Like, like, I was yeah. like, I don't know what I'm feeling with this, but I'm yeah. feeling something. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. So, That's so, great. Yeah, I, I think when I finally put a name to it and was able to go, yes, I'm in love with Jerry Hallowell. <laughs> That's when yeah. I was able to, to actually commit. <laughs> That's so cute. Um, okay. So first time you spent way too much money on a concert. So you're probably a lot older at this point. Yeah. I, I think what it was, was the um, Radiohead Hail to the Thief tour where I actually followed them on tour. I went to wow. multiple cities to watch them night after night after night. That was a big amount of money because, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I was either end of high school, early college, so I had no money, no money at all. And uh, yeah. whatever money I did have, I didn't even think twice. I'm like, I'm going to go see Radiohead as many times <laughs> as possible on this concert. So um, it was great. Don't regret yeah. it. And that's what I remember. <laughs> nice. Um, how much do you think? Oh, that you just meant like, so... Each By show, saying it spent too much money, it was just the the total, the yeah. sheer total amount of money you went to see because it was so travel, times. it was yeah. hotels, it was multiple concerts, uh, yeah, it was everything, and yeah, um, yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, I, I I can't even remember how much each individual show was, but th that wasn't cheap either, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. it was already fully established as a very popular band, so. Uh, oh, oh, however, opening act for that tour that I followed them, opening act was yeah. Liars. And then that, that introduced me to Liars. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. um, that's awesome. So, okay. So then I wonder if these are connected. The final question, first time you spent way too much money on an album. Oof. I mean, I have spent way too much money on Radiohead albums in the past because in particular, yeah, whenever they put out like a, a vinyl record these days, there's always a special edition, which costs like 150 bucks or something. Yeah. I always buy that every time, <laughs> every single time. But there, there, there has to be something before that. Um, the first album that I remember spending too much money on was when that album that I love and talk about all the time here in the store, Black Black, when that album came out and I couldn't find it anywhere in America, so I had to order it from Amazon.jp. Yeah, and having to order 
a, a CD from Japan, converting it to yen, blah, blah, blah. I think I ended up spending like somewhere like around 30 bucks for a CD. And at that time in my life, I was like, thirty dollars on like a, a single yeah. CD? Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> like that that's that's gotta be at least three CDs worth of music, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so uh that's the first time I remember doing it. But then of course I've done it so many times since then. Yeah. Like I, I that's the it's the number one thing I waste my money on is albums Me too. and CDs. So yeah. It's it's I've I've gone deep down that road, but yeah, the first one would would have been like a thirty dollar CD that I bought from Japan. <laughs> yeah, I can see how that would feel expensive at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. That's it's, it. It was interesting. It's not as obvious as like mine was pretty obvious. The Whitney stuff, right? With all of the Weird Al and yours, it's not as yeah. obvious. You know, I mean, I, I've never thought about this before. I think perhaps the only thing that Weird Al kind of like relays into my like modern life and my actual music taste, it is very varied. You know what I mean? Like it is all That's over true. the place. It is yeah. him going this genre, that genre, here, there, everywhere. Because I, I do try to consume everything you know so i yeah. guess that could be part of it but that's 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 the uh that's the closest yeah. through line i also didn't realize well, there was so much weird al in my first <laughs> until you started listing it out yeah and i mean then you you go back and look at how many sort of scores or classical music things that you mentioned and yeah. i see how that plays into you liking certain things so there, there's some yeah. roots there yeah there's some roots there for yeah. sure that's cool <laughs> this was fun for sure and, and yeah i i think uh i th- yeah i think we could try this out i like, like did any of the questions seem like we should change them or do they all make sense to you they all made sense to me cool. yeah well, well we'll try this out next time we have a guest come in it's the first time in we want to get to know them we'll, 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 we'll give this give this a try we'll give it a dry run on someone else yeah okay cool. okay cool well uh cool. we, we, we got to start closing up but uh let's come back uh and we'll do the employee recommendation shelf before we do so uh let's go get our records for that off we go Okay, we've tried out the first timer quiz, and uh, yeah, I think it went pretty successfully. I think we learned a lot about each other. This is fun. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but before we close up, uh, we're going to do the employee recommendation shelf real quick. Um, let's see, Tara, what, 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 what are you feeling right now? What's your vibe? Um, I have been listening on repeat uh, to this album. I think it came out in 1976 or 1977. Uh, by Tarika Blue. The song specifically that kind of is the hit is called Dreamflower, but um, the album Tarika Blue. It's, it's just, I'm sort of obsessed with it right now, but the song uh, that I mentioned, Dreamflower, Erica Badu used to sample as a sample in a, her song, Didn't You Know? Um, from the 2000 era. Uh, but yeah, I'm just totally obsessed with this. It's kind of jazzy and chill. Um, Tarika Blue. Check it out. Hmm, nice. I'm going to have to. I don't know anything about this. It's good. Um, my recommendation for this week, uh, there's this album I came across that I really enjoyed. So Danny Brown has a new record label called Bruiser Brigade Records. And um, the the first reason I came across this is because he actually released an album with his whole crew known as the Bruiser Brigade. And uh, that's where I first saw this. But then I started looking at the other things he's released on his label. And there was this one in particular I really fell in love with. Um, the artist's name is Bruiser Wolf. And the album is called Dope Game Stupid. Like it. Oh. But I'm swiping with a sleight of hand. I'm running up shit like Spider-Man. Like Spider-Man. Guns get drawn like diagrams. Uh, shot. So the the really interesting thing about this album and this musician who I hadn't heard before, Bruiser Wolf has like this like 1970s flow as an MC, where it's like um if you think about like those like old like Rudy Ray Moore kind of like rhyming things, like almost like proto-rap, kind of like that Dolomite style, or like um 
like that uh, album by Lightning Rod um, called Hustler's Convention from like 1973. Like all those things that people call proto-rap. That's what Bruiser Wolf sounds like. Like he sounds like that 70s really soulful like talk singing, rhyming thing that eventually became rap. He doesn't sound like he's rapping in a modern sense. Oh, that's interesting. I want to hear that. It's really fascinating and really entertaining. And mostly it just stands out, you know, when like so many people are sounding so similar, uh, you know, in every genre, there's always like, you know, a, a gravitational pull towards what's happening at the moment. He's clearly chosen a completely different path. And it's really interesting to hear, and I really enjoy it. So yeah, check out uh, Bruiser Wolf's cool. album, Dope Game Stupid. And uh, at least as of this moment, it's a, uh, a, a buy the digital album, pay whatever you want on uh, Bruiser Brigade Records Bandcamp. So pff, give it give it a dollar, and you get a, a whole great album. You know, P- pay zero dollars yeah. if you want, but you know, pay at least a dollar. Be nice. <laughs> Give the man some money. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's it for me. I hope everyone checks that out. Uh, thank you, everyone, for coming into the record that's store cool. today. We really appreciate it. You're all the greatest. Uh, but the store is officially closed. Happy trails, everyone. Until we meet again. Record Store Society is hosted by Tara Davies and Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to recordstoresociety at iheartmedia.com. Or you can find us on all your favorite social media sites with the handle at Record Store Society. Record Store Society is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. At Blackstone, we're investing in tomorrow, supporting the companies transforming what it means to be sustainable and the leaders creating a stronger, greener economy as they grow. At Blackstone, investing is about accelerating growth for good. Learn more at blackstone.com slash beyond returns.